Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply Last season over 10% of all English players to feature in the Premier League held from one small corner of the UK South London I think it's just something about South London everyone loves football here yeah. I'm proud to be from here I don't know what it is, the vibrancy of the place and why so many people come from such a small area. I'm very proud of that fact. Sancho can run in behind now. Does he have an option in the middle? Does he need one? Picks the pass perfectly! The diagonal ball for Hudson-Odoi can bring it out. Brilliant drag back, that's a magnificent goal. And Callum Hudson-Odoi, who has yet to start a Premier League game for Chelsea, comes on to make his England debut. It's the swag, and that's a big thing in South London. Zaha, who gets it onto his right foot and shifts it into the corner past Efferidge and gives Crystal Palace the lead. Manchester United have signed Aaron Wan-Bissaka from Crystal Palace for £50 million. The South Londoner arrives at Old Trafford after a stunning breakthrough season at Selhurst Park. It's Lundman inside the penalty area. It's 4-0. What a way to mark your debut in the Premier League. Play of flair and play of no fear. Lovely ball to Loftus-Cheek. This will finish it. Loftus-Cheek scores. It's 2-0. Off the bench to put Chelsea into an unassailable lead. Why can't I see Loftus-Cheek play a lot more? What a beautiful footballer. Jordan Jarrett Bryan here, football-obsessed radio journalist and proud South Londoner, born and raised in Brixton. I want to know why my manor has now emerged as one of the most prolific breeding grounds for elite young footballers, not just in the UK, but in the world. Jaden Sancho, Joe Gomez, Rhys Nelson, Adamola Lookman, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Wilfred Zaha, Tammy Abraham, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Trevor and Nathaniel Chalabar, Ryan Sessegnon, Joe Rebo, Patrick Roberts, Jay Clark Salter, Aaron Wan-Bissaka and I could go on. All of these players and more hail from south of the river and while these boys represent the new generation, the original Don of the South is without doubt Arsenal legend Mr Ian Wright. So perhaps he can answer the question. I don't know what it is about South London, but then even if you, you go back, like even off of my estate, there was me, mm. David Rowcastle. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is in respects of the, what's in the water in yeah, South London. The water, bro. It's the water. So many, so, so many people have come through from South London, but I think that South London, it's just a hotbed of football. Everybody just played football and wanted to play football. 
And you know what I mean? So many good players just come out of South London. I, I, I could not put my finger on what it is because I'm sure that if you speak to people from Newcastle, then Newcastle will say, oh, there's so many people that's come from Newcastle. But I'm talking about a little place like South London. Yeah, yeah, because we've players. players that went all the way. So why is South London churning out so many talented players? Football choreographer and former pro Andy Ansar thinks the answer is simple. Well, it's just a love for the game. I mean, my son's 25 now. He was at Arsenal. He still plays. Like the other day, he was with Alex Iwobi, all those guys. They're still playing. They come over to South East to play five-a-side football. So everybody wants to play. And it's a South London thing where it's almost like it's a leveller. It's a level playing ground. And that's a place where you do become the man. It's by playing football amongst your friends, you become that person. There's a huge respect that comes with playing football from South London. When you look at players like your Ian Wrights that have come through, they still hold, really, they're so monumental in South London for these kids. They're iconic. And some of these kids have never seen Ian Wright play. But they looked at, they watched videos, mm -hmm. they watch, and they still worship these kind of people. Crystal Palace manager Roy Hodgson grew up in Croydon, just like Palace youth products Aaron Wambasaka and Wilfred Zaha. But for the former England boss, it's about a mixture of talent and opportunity. I'm not 100% convinced that there's something particularly in the air of South London which gives you a better chance to being a footballer uh, here than if you were growing up you know, in, in areas of Manchester, Liverpool, Newcastle or Birmingham. I do think that the conurbations in, in the country where there's a, a lot of people, uh, a lot of kids growing up, um, obviously dreaming of being footballers, being introduced really to sort of street football or playing in... in those cages where they sometimes play where it's not structured in any way. It's just a question of enjoying the game and getting a feel for the ball and honing the basic skills is an important factor. I think a more, an even more important factor, especially for us here in South London, a vast number of clubs and the, the quality and strength of their academies and their scouting systems. So it's, you know, if you've got any sort of talent whatsoever these days in, in an area around where we are, the chances are you're going to get given a chance. Someone's going to pick pick up on you and invite you to be a part of their academy and so on. So I don't know that there is one very simple answer to, to the question. It's an interesting fact that there are so many of them. I just think the diversity within, within South London, you know, in terms of migrants that come over. David Powderly, former youth coach at Charlton, now with England. The school like the school that I worked in predominantly were Afro-Caribbean, you know, and that's just the makeup of, of the boys. So when you when you have these type of diversities coming into your areas, that's only gonna have a knock-on effect. The fact that they're they're in South London and they're on you know, not on the streets in terms of walking around, but in, in terms of playing football in cages, playing football on the road mm -hmm. and in parts. And I still see it. You, you see Peckham, like the light is, is, is darkening, yes. but they're still playing. Yes, yes. And, you know, there could be 30, 30 players on the, on the pitch. And that means when you get the ball, it's not about trying to score. You want to stay on the ball for as long as possible. Yeah. So it's that kind of environment that, that breeds these players coming through. Former Palace owner and entrepreneur Simon Jordan agrees that cultural diversity certainly plays a role. 
South London is a, it has a uniqueness about it because it's very melting pot. There's a mixture of ethnicities. If you look around, certainly where I grew up, I grew up in, in, in Thornton Heath. I grew up in South Norwood, um, literally 100 yards away from Palace's Stadium. So, you know, I grew up in an environment where multi-ethnicity was at the centre of it, whether that was uh, blacks or Asians or whatever creed or colour we want to talk about. But it made me grow up and have a, a feeling about different cultures and different ideals and different values. But it also made it a melting pot mentality. I think it made it quite competitive. Obviously, at my time, when I had Palace, I spent a lot of time in the youth system uh, and wanting to see our youth system really patronise young talent. And, you know, you saw players like Wayne Routledge and John Bostock and Nathaniel Klein coming out and going on to be, you know, certainly in the the instance of Nathaniel Klein uh, and Victor Moses, of course, uh, that have gone on to be players on the international stage. But I do think at the centre of the excellence that comes out of South London is multi-ethnicity. And I think there's more multi-ethnicity in in that part of London than there possibly is anywhere else. And I think there's a great deal of talent in that community. For Daily Mirror football writer Darren Lewis, the question is less about culture, more about class and an understanding of the boys in that area. I think the first place that comes to mind straight away is the Michael Calvin book, No Hunger in Paradise. Because in that book, he talks about Afiwi, and it's a South London team that is run by a number of dedicated coaches who understand not only the the talent that those kids have in that area, but also the social circumstances that they're battling against as they try to fulfil that talent. And they work incredibly hard to get those kids to realise what they have and how they can navigate a way through their circumstances. I think it's a misconception to assume that all of that is exclusive to black children, because I think there are lots of white children who have that those circumstances in South London as well. Grealish with a free kick, whipped into the near post, and headed in by Tammy Abraham for 4-4! Four goals on the night for the England star. Tammy Abraham is on fire. Everyone wants to play football. Everyone wants to be a footballer. You know, all your friends just want to play football. So, you know, when you have the opportunity to to actually be a, become a footballer, you know, you have to grab it. And uh, I think it's just something about South London. Everyone loves football there. Yeah. Luckily for me, you know, I grew up with the likes of Jaden Sancho, Reese Nelson, you know. Um, so playing football was everything for us, you know. Just rushing back after school, just to take off the uniform and to kick a ball on the road, you know. It, it, it was so exciting, you know. Um, that's definitely a childhood memory I will always have in my heart, you know. Where I started, you know, just started playing football on the roads and now I'm here, you know. It's, I'm very grateful and uh, there's a lot of talent in South London. As you can see, a lot of players making it out of South London, so hopefully that keeps going. Tammy Abraham, England and Chelsea star, who grew up just round the corner from where I went to school in Camberwell. Obviously proud of his South London roots. Still to come on the South London Talent Factory, we'll get real about what it's like growing up in this area and how that kind of environment can impact a young player. This is TalkSport.
See, back then I was bumping cabs. South of the Thames, where I come from's mad. Done some dirt, and I ain't too proud that you living on a road where your son got stabbed. Man, I had you in a station, your son got nabbed. Tough luck, just mums, no dads. And we all know growing up in London's mad. Mummy ain't never seen a hundred bags, so let them all know that my mums is glad. Edge of the box for Zaha, who gets it onto his right foot and shifts it into the corner past Efferidge and gives Crystal Palace the lead. This is the South London Talent Factory on Talk Sports. I'm Jordan Jarrett Bryan and I'm on a mission to find out the reasons why more than 10% of English Premier League players are coming out of my area, South London. Growing up in South can be tough. The two boroughs with the highest rates of gun and knife crime in the capital are Southwark and Lambeth. More than one in three children born in the area grow up in poverty, but from a sporting perspective, the area's thriving. Perhaps there's a link we need to explore. I mean, all over London, we know there's a issue with knife crime and, and stuff like that, but I think South London probably has it at a bigger degree. South Londoner Gavin Rose is the manager of Dulwich Hamlet and is all too aware of the complexities of a world where crime and football live side by side. These boys will be growing up alongside friends who maybe ain't gifted at football, maybe didn't get the opportunity to shine at football and they're on the street. Mm -hmm. But they're actually their mates. And the hardest thing they've got to do as they grow is to probably separate from them um, because they have to take their football seriously. But the truth of the matter is they're still hardened like their mate who's on the street. The environment of South London definitely toughens them up because they might go to the professional club but they come back to the estate. (laughs) <laughs> and you have to survive yes. when you come back yes. on that estate. You you have to know where to go, how to be. You even need to put on a brave face sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. Even if you're not really about all of that, yes. you know that you need to put on a brave face to be able to be fine and go in and out of your house sure. safely. Do you sure. know what I mean? They're individuals, but they're like clones sure. of people that you've met over the years. Obviously, they've got their own identity, but there's so many, like, their backgrounds are similar. Yes. So you can go, you know what, I remember him 20 years ago. Sure. He was like this. I remember this guy, he was a bit... And it might be just confidence. It might be very rough around the edges. It might be... Par- <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, totally. But they're all very, very similar. So that tells me that from South London, there's a certain... The environment is melding a certain type of individual. And the answer knows this all too well. I heard a South London still about me that no matter how small I was, I'm not letting nobody take a liberty with me. And I think that's another thing that is ingrained in these South East London kids because they still got to walk South East London away from the football mm-hmm. pitch. And that, what you don't realise is you're training for your future every day. This is, I give an example. People say to me, oh, when you was young, you was fast. I said, you don't realise I trained every day. They said, what do you mean? I said, back in the day, me growing up in South East London, police used to stop you all the time. It was the days of SPG van. Mm-hmm. So I was training every day. <laughs> yeah. I'd walk backwards I'd, I'd be running every day I shouldn't laugh but it is funny it's the truth yeah. I trained every day that's why I'm quick and I also knew if a policeman came to stop me he's never going to catch me because I'm gone and that, I haven't done a crime I could walk with three of my white mates and three of them would be the police would stop they'd be you guys stand there they'll search me because it was a stop and search law mm-hmm. not have nothing so go on carry on now 
And three of my workmates were just standing there. Mm. That's what I was going through. In former England and Premier League striker Darren Bent's experience, a challenging upbringing south of the river made for a stronger, aspiring player. It's funny because when I moved out of London and went up to Cambridgeshire, the, these Cambridgeshire kids were looking at me like, oh, well, we can't be better than him. Okay. Like, do you know what I mean? Because okay. obviously I, ha- I had that confidence in myself. As kids growing up in South London is, is hard. You, you need to be able to look after yourself. You need to be tough. And I think that's why when you play against these teams from these boys from South London, they've got this kind of confidence because they're, they're really battle-tested and such, you know what I mean? So they've really got that over us where mm-hmm. obviously come from Cambridgeshire, which is obviously a, quite a soft area, yeah, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Ipswich Tower is not known for being a, a quite rough area, but when you go to South London, you're talking about Croydon, mm-hmm. Brixton, mm-hmm. Peckham, these players here, these are all battle-tested already, so on the pitch it made a massive difference. And the answer, now a football choreographer working with the likes of Ronaldinho, Ronaldo and Rooney, recognises a similar mentality in many of these South London boys as he does in the elite. I went to shoot Jaden when he got in the England squad, the first England squad, so I shot him training, then sat down and done a talk with him, to film with him, and Jaden mentally is strong. What's really interesting about the South London kids like Jaden, like Arise Nelson, is that they all possess a mindset that I see with the best footballers in the world, with the Ronaldos, the Wayne Rooney's. And that's a single-mindedness, a confidence, not an arrogance, a confidence which they'll put out there knowing that they can do what they say they can do. Former Palace striker Clinton Morrison certainly backs it up. I always remember when I was 16 in the YTS at Crystal Palace and I was in the youth team. And they, we had a youth team game in the morning, scored a hatchet. And then we always used to go, have to go do first team duty. So imagine wearing the first team dress and we're sorting out a kit. And just before the game, I'm saying to, who was it, Bruce Dyer, he was the first million pound um, striker at Crystal Palace. And I'm saying to him, and he's going out to play a game, oh, I scored a hat-trick today, I'm coming for your position. And I said it in front of the manager and would say it to the manager. And that's a young boy who's 16, really and truly, I'm playing YTS, but I'm saying it to a first team professional they paid a million pound mm-hmm. for. And I'm that, But that's the confidence I yeah. had in myself. I believed in myself that when I go on there, I've got confidence and I'm going to produce. And in the end, it kind of worked out for me. Having a strong mentality is all well and good, but to make it all the way to the top, you have to be able to ball. In the densely populated area of South, lacking green spaces, where do these players go to hone their skills? The answer is the cage. It gives us something to do when we're younger, going playing football in the parks or cages and stuff like that. It just gives us something to do as well when we're younger, so it keeps, it keeps you out of trouble and stuff. So that's one thing that, that helps massively, just the, the cage football, like your, your friends going down to the parks and cages just playing football. Jay Clark Sorter there, England under-21 captain and another one of my South London boys. But why all the fuss about cage football? I'll let Andy explain. Like, for me, it was everything. I grew up on a council estate in Lewisham called Caldwell. And literally, the cage was 10 yards from my house. I'd be in there in the morning from 9, and I wouldn't get until 8, 9 o'clock at night, I'd go in. And it was all about being that showman in the cage, being the one. And even when we played multiple games, like three-on-three, it's all about twisting people up. And what cage football does is it gives you that chance to actually home in your skills in tight spaces and have loads of touches. And what's moved on from the cage now is these goal centres. It's just a modern version of the cage. And if you go in there, you'll see to what hour you see these kids playing. And it's just an extension of what Mm -hmm. I grew up with on my council Mm -hmm. estate. Clinton Morrison, who grew up in Wandsworth, still has love for the cage. 
But the cage is the boss because if you're not, there's some boys that would try to come into the cage that weren't good enough, and they were told nicely. Like, well, I'm trying to be nice here, but they were told, "Don't come on there again, mate. You're not good enough. When you come, come back and practice, then come back into the cage." So the cage was the one where you had to come and, you know, bring your A game. You if, your a, correct, if your yeah. A game weren't correct, then you might as well leave it. And I've seen certain men come to the cage and look at their feet and go, "I don't think you're going to be about it. You can't be coming to the cage in your Timberlands and stuff like that. We're playing football." Out here. So you, in that case, you might as well leave. Crystal Palace manager Roy Hodgson appreciates its value as well. I know of it, and of course, I related to what people did you know, in my youth, which was you know street football, when you could actually play on the streets. And I'm certain there'll be a lot of similarities, where basically you just picked up, you know, if it was five, you played three against two. If it was ten, you played five aside, and you just played really, you know, chalking goals on walls. I think there's a lot of that, of course. There's that people will do here in, in, in the South East London area by dint of the fact that you know we don't have the greenery, we don't have other, other places to go. But I wouldn't think that's purely London. I would think that would be the case in Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, Newcastle, etc. Roy's right. These goal centres, power leagues and cages have popped up all over the country and on the continent too. So while they might go some way to explaining Zaha and Sancho's skills, it still doesn't tell us what's so unique about South London football. They might have scored three or four goals, but when they're walking home or they're on the, on the bus, they're thinking, right, look what I've done. Do you remember that skill? Yeah, so it's yeah. that kind of feeling and they're always trying it. They're free to do what they want. That was David Powderly, England youth coach. The nutmeg is king in the cage. If you ain't trying to embarrass your opponent, you ain't getting no stripes out here. For Randy Ansar, that flamboyance is what South London's all about. It's the swag, and, and that's a big thing in South London. And this is what I, when we started this conversation, I think when you get onto the football pitch, it's a level playing ground, and it's a chance for you to show what you can do and stand out. And there's a massive respect and appreciation for ballers in South East London. Mm. No matter what age you are, there's a huge respect that comes with it. Huge. And I think that's another thing that drives these South London kids to be the best on a football pitch. I'm working at the moment, like I said yesterday, with some 14-year-old kids. And what they're doing with a football is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's unreal. This is why every club in the country is setting up satellite centres in and around South East London or have got scouts around there trying to get these mm -hmm. kids and give them an opportunity. Former Palace chairman, Simon Jordan. There is a certain ambition and fast way of thinking and fast way of talking. I'm a South London boy, take of that or make of that what you will. Um, and I had ambitions and I wanted to get away from South London to some extent. I wanted to be successful and move away from South London. But you never, you know, you take the boy out of South London and you never take South London out of the boy. And there is something unique in all aspects. And when you produce this level of talent in football, and, and I feel that it's flair that comes out of South London. Flair and creativity is at the centre of it. And that must be something to do with the, the melting pot that South London is. And here it goes well beyond the style of football. My boy Joel Bayer, fellow South Londoner and founder of digital media platform Cheeky Sports, caught up with the enigmatic Ian Wright to talk swag. How would you define South London swag? Because you've got your own thing going on, do you know what I mean? These days I've been rocking the same righty hats as well here and there. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I can't lie you know, to you. Know, know, saying. Even this, even this, I've been wearing one of these hats since I would say, I can't even tell you when. I remember watching those black exploitation films way back in the day. Mm. Remember when Michael Jackson's album covers came out? Michael Jackson hey. was wearing the, the, um, the eight piece kind of like Baker Boy hat. I've been wearing one of these for ages. And when we was growing up, dressing and, and dressing right mm -hmm. and looking right was, it was paramount. That is one of the things that when you're younger, if you didn't dress right or it came wrong or you just got the Lois jeans or the Wrangler jeans or something just a little bit later than it should have been there, man, you got killed, you got caned. And it was something that as I've grown older, you know what I mean, I wear what I want. And I tell mm -hmm. that to my girls as well, put whatever you want together. But uh -huh. I came from a time where it had to be put together properly. My, my, my uncle, Charlie, wore a three-piece suit with the chain tie the hat with the feather in it every Sunday. In, well, in, in respect to my Uncle Charlie, that was pimpish, bro. That was... Uh, <laughs> that was some pimp swag. It was pimp swag, bro. Absolutely. I feel like South London hasn't had it for, for a long time. I remember growing up and looking at East London and thinking, you lot got it. Like, I always used to, like, all the MCs were there and being a young MC from South, like, all the young MCs from East were always getting a look in over anyone else because they had the Wileys, the Dizzy. So I feel like now that we're the front runners, like, it's a dream. It's, it is a dream, do you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy South right London oriented. South London all day. That was Croydon-born rapper Stormzy, who recently became the first black solo artist to headline Glastonbury. And for Woolwich-born MC Boya D, the South London swag is just as evident in our music. At the end of the day, I just feel like it's the same hustle. For years, people have said that, you know, if you're like from the hood, the only way out was sports or entertainment. Mm. And I wouldn't even say that was just synonymous with black kids. I mean, if you're working class, that was the dream to get out through. Music was, was in the top two. Football was the other one. Mm -hmm. In saying that, that creative element, it filtered through into the, into the, into the football mm -hmm. from the music. Mm -hmm. If you look at the way we kind of did music, even if you look at the, the rap battle culture came from the hood. Do you know what I mean? If you look at the majority of battle rap rappers... They're just thinking about beating their next man, embarrassing the next man yeah. on stage in front of a crowd. And that's what it was. And, and the cage was almost a metaphor for the hood. We're all boxed in. Like, how am I going to get I want to get out of it. I need to get out of it. <laughs> and how am I going to do it is by getting past you. You know what I mean? And mm. that's where you learn that kind of mentality. So rap battling is music, but yeah. it's not music. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like you're taking a skill set and isolating it which is what I guess we did in the cage. South London is also home to gold medal winning sprinters like Dina Asher-Smith and Adam Jamili. And that swag and steel is obvious in a long line of brilliant boxers from the area, such as David Hay, Chris Eubank Sr. and Dylan White. It's perhaps no coincidence either that a World Boxing Council initiative has recently been established in the heart of South London at the Fitzroy Lodge Gym in search of the next South London world champion. So Joel Bayer caught up with one of the area's brightest prospects, the British light heavyweight champion from Croydon, Joshua Buatzi. I think for me, it's I look around and I think there's a lot of talent in South London. There's a lot of people that are doing well in South London. And you tell yourself, what's different from, from them and you? Mm -hmm. like, there, there is no difference. Like They're from the same area. They've made the most with the opportunities that they've, they've got and where they're from. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I just, I don't say to myself, oh, I don't know, like he's got... 
100 million in his bank. So, of course, he's going to be successful. No, I say, actually, it's on the same area as me. Went to a normal public school like myself, found what talent he or she is good at and what have they done with it. So the same applies for me. Like, I found the talent that I feel I've got and I have to make the most out of it. We've grown up in South London. You're right, we've been through the grind. We've seen things, good and bad things, but it's all moulded us to be this person that we are today. And for me, like I say, there's no difference between myself and other successful people. So that's just, that's how I see it, man. Still to come on the South London Talent Factory. We are areas where people are more hungry for success than others. We have exactly the same phenomenon in uh, France. This is Talk Sports. Hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Flick back by MacArthur. Zaha! Wonderful Crystal Palace goal! Magnificent work! But it's finished off! By Wilfred Zaha. I've got five brothers, three sisters. So, yeah, it was very tight and no privacy ever. To be honest, having a crowded house was actually fun. The funniest thing, we really didn't need much back then. Obviously, the luxuries are nice now, but we didn't need much. We'd play Maracanã, basically make goals. Yeah, four goals with, like, two bricks or something. Like, one here one where Jordan is, one over here, and then like one here. And the game is to basically try and get each other out, basically, so you have to and kind of- And it was this close? Yeah, yeah, it was, it, was ma- it was mad tight. See, this is what I mean, like you need skill yeah, to right. play these type of games, like trust me. So you have to lure, <laughs> you have to lure. That's no offense to you. No, no, it was a dig, it was a dig. No, no, it was a dig. <laughs> 
Wilfrid Zaha, they're speaking as part of Carling's Made Local campaign, which is about supporting people who are making a positive impact in their local communities. I'm Jordan Jarrett Bryan, a South London native, trying to find out how the area where I grew up became the new hotbed of English football. To get a better understanding, perhaps we need to look beyond South London to other parts of the world known for producing large numbers of elite footballers, the most recent being France. It was over a decade ago that Arsene Wenger singled out the Parisian suburbs as the world's next great hub of footballing talent, following in the footsteps of Sao Paulo in Brazil. So we asked him if he'd noticed any comparisons between South London and Paris. If I understand well, you would say to me that there are areas where people are more hungry for success than others. And I say yes, uh, it is that. And we have the same, we have exactly the same phenomenon in uh, France. In uh, Paris, 60% uh, of the players come out from uh, areas in Paris where you have more immigrants uh, than in other areas because they are, it's a way to be successful in life. Sport is a way to be successful in life. And But as well, uh, what we talk about here is sport is only based on merit. The only act social activity where if you're good, you play, you know, no matter where you come from, no matter what's the name of your father, if you're good, you play. And we have to continue to encourage that, and uh, that's why, that's certainly the reason of your, of your uh, explanation. In fact, the Ile de France, as Greater Paris is known, probably produces more talent than Asia, Africa and North America combined. Last summer, Greater Paris accounted for two-thirds of France's World Cup winning squad, including the likes of Paul Pogba, N'Golo Kante and Kylian Mbappe. Not to mention this summer's African Cup of Nations winners, Riyad Mahrez and Yassine Brahimi. Another graduate of the Greater Parisian Ghetto, former Premier League striker Jeremy Eliadier, thinks the similarities are striking. Joel Bear went to meet Jeremy and asked what it was like growing up in Rambouillet, just south of the centre of the capital. We call it Cité in France, Cité. which is like where you've got obviously big building and, mm -hmm. and you know, and then we all, like we're all a big family kind of, you know, yeah. all the mums and dads know each other and, mm -hmm. and we all kids play with each other. The older kids, the younger kids, whatever, it's all, you know, all a big community kind of and... Uh, I felt he kind of helped me in a certain way because I, I, I basically, you know, like hundreds of brothers and sisters, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Because they were all like family, go and knock on so-and-so's door, yes. let's go and play. Who's got a football? Let's go and get him because he's got the ball, you know, and it was <laughs> that's how it was. We didn't have, you know, football pitch. All we had was just one football, that's all. Really? Yeah, that's all, man. There was no football pitch, no goals, no nothing. So we, we would play on... You know, on the concrete, on the sand, whatever was around, you know, we would, we would just create a pitch. But on that pitch, mm -hmm. like I said, you would have curb, sand, uh, a swing. You would yeah. have all sorts of things, you know, that normally kids play with. But we used to just you use, know, them obstacles, use them as obstacles. Use them as obstacles or whatever. Yeah, I see, exactly. Sounds familiar, right? Gavin Rose reckons the link between these areas is obvious. There's something in common is poverty. 
kids can go one way or another. Mm-hmm. But we've heard the stories about these boys from Brazil. Um, their, their, their living environments are mm-hmm. terrible, mm-hmm. much worse than South London. Um, and they play on, you know, concrete pitches with bare feet mm-hmm. um, for passion. And I feel that's one thing as well that gets mis- misaligned is that the passion from a boy from a poverty background can't be matched. Like, it's almost like this is my ticket to get yeah. out of here. And you ain't taking it from You're me. You're not taking it from yeah. me. And, and now it seems like the lines, the lines are a bit more open in terms of the, the FA and that. They're, they're, they're opening the doors now because they realise, look, if we don't take these sort of boys, mm-hmm. we're going to, below that, we're not going to have any talent. But is that true? Are these young players now being looked at differently by those within the game? And could this actually explain the high number of young players from the area now making it right to the very top? London's burning and no one seems able to bring it under control. As night fell, a huge blaze lit up Croydon in the south of the city and it spread quickly with no sign of police or firefighters in the vicinity. Earlier in Peckham, a line of police officers charged up the road to disperse those who'd started a blaze so that fire engines could get through to fight the flames. You've got young people that have uh, uh, got so much bottled up inside of them that they're using this opportunity to let off. It is, it's horrible out here. It's, it's, it's like a war zone. It is nasty out here. Harry Hudson is the founder of the Kinetic Academy, established in 2011 following the London riots. It's largely funded by an educational grant and proudly boasts 37 pro deals in the last six years, including Joe Rebo, who this summer joined Stephen Gerrard's Rangers from Charlton. For Hudson, the South London footballer has always provided coaches with an extra and sometimes unwelcome challenge. A lot of the old school methods of coaching um, were very autocratic and were based around the coach having all the answers and that immediately sets the, the environment for the, for the session and for the interaction with a, with a coach and a player. Um, if the coach wants things to be very orderly, very structured, for him to have the answers, they're not going to want any type of wild card in there, any type of threat, any type of risk towards that order. Um, and young players from South London do have a swagger do have a confidence will test coaches mm-hmm. um, and a lot of coaches don't like that because it, it affects their ego mm-hmm. it essentially questions their place in the group couple that with them, a lot of ex-pros when they retire they go straight into the professional development phase so the 18s, 23s which is the business end of football those coaches repeat what they were taught repeat mm-hmm. what what would get what got them success when they were a young player and that's that now is typically 15, 20 years ago that, that view of player development and how we how we approach coaching and coaching as a methodology 20 years ago is so outdated mm-hmm. so yes they can do the courses um, but fundamentally there needs to be a blend of, of how players transitioning to become coaches and how that can help the next generation of players coming through and I think that's highlighted with the South London boys and, and their temperament and their their personality and the answer would have definitely challenged a few coaches back in the day I was so determined, not many people know this, that I wasn't prepared to sign a YTS. I signed as a professional footballer for Crystal Palace at 17 years old, but I was at Charlton from 11 up to the age of 17. But my drive was just to be a professional footballer, and I didn't want to be the guy that cleaned boots and everything like that, so I stayed at school. Was that an, was that an Andy thing, or was that a South London boy that thing? That was a South London boy thing, because 
cleaning them days when you cleaned you cleaned you cleaned the towels people would rub, rub their hand across something and say it's dirty you actually cleaned everything and my southeast london street stuff was like <laughs> nah i ain't going to clean people's boots and clean get get on my hands and knees and clean things with toothbrushes i'm good enough to play i'm good sign enough me to play. Or don't. Yeah. you sign me or you don't i'm staying at school i'll stay in sixth form i didn't even finish sixth form i stayed at sixth form till march which was when my 17th birthday was i carried on playing for charlton and then I went on trial at Palace and signed pro. But maybe we've just lucked out on a special group of players who just happen to be from one area. Has the talent really always been there? Darren Lewis from the Daily Mirror. Oh yeah, the talent was there for sure. There was a, um, a wealth of players. The problem back then was that they were seen through one dimension. Strong, athletic, on the positive side. On the negative, they weren't seen as leaders. There was this ludicrous misconception that they couldn't cope with the cold. There were lots of players who were determined to put on performances in the cold weather to prove those stereotypes wrong. They, they paved the way for the current players now. They broke down those barriers for the players now to be able to go out and express themselves. When I go back to the start of last season, I remember uh, the documentary that I took part in, Out of Their Skin, which highlighted the kind of... Uh, well, I, I won't dress it up and be diplomatic the players back then had to deal with horrendous racism and it broke some players. And there were players on that in that documentary who said, who openly admitted that had they gone through some of the stuff that players like Paul Canneville went through, they would not have survived in the game. So it took a, a special kind of courage and character and not all of the talented players of the day back then survived. Some of them walked away from the game, stayed true to their beliefs, wouldn't just in inverted commas, plays a game. A lot of those players walked away, became agents, became coaches, or left the game altogether. And so I, I think it's hard to compare the footballing environment back then to the football environment now. It's different now. Those players owe a huge debt of gratitude to those players back then. David Powderly, England under-16s coach, believes that football is now changing its attitude towards these young men. What's happening now is that the decision-makers are recognising... Mm -hmm. Well, these these are the players we yeah. need to bring in. And once they're in the building, it's not about um, stripping that down or trying to create a next player. It's trying to harness what they have and allow that to, to, to continue. And you're seeing that those are the type of players that we want through academies and through England. Yeah. Players that are comfortable you know, when they're playing against Portugal or Brazil. Don't worry about that. We're, we're good enough. You know, I'm, from, I'm from South London. Yeah. We've yeah. got this. They yeah. don't know about us. So yeah. it's that kind of... Um, feeling that we're trying to continue. Dulwich Hamlet boss Gavin Rose has also noticed a similar shift in perception. In particular with the black boys, I would say um, everyone talks about the natural athleticism, mm -hmm. um, which is obviously genetic. But I think now they've realised that the way that the boys like to play from South London, you know, there's a way they want to express themselves. They want, they don't want to just run through brick walls. Mm -hmm. They, they actually want to show that they've got skills. Mm -hmm. They want to. They get a, do you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and now that's being matched in professional football, um, I feel that's just the reason why the numbers have gone up. There's been an appreciation that our country in England can produce players that can compete against the Hollands and all that. If with these natural boys, these are the boys that we have yeah. at our disposal. David Powderly again. Who's getting through, how they're getting through and the types of players that are getting through, they can be themselves. They can, they can make it for how they're playing outside. They haven't got to conform. They, they don't have to conform. Well, that, and that's the key now. If they come into our training sessions and don't feel they can do what they can do out there, it's a wrong environment. Mm -hmm. 
you're coming in because of that. Yeah. So I don't want to change that when you're in here. We just have to create this the, the way of playing. Okay, when or where to do it. But certainly at young level, I want to I want to see that more. Don't bore me. Even like we say that, don't bore me. You've bored me. I've said that a number of times. You're boring. I love that. Because I love like, that. <laughs> you know, that's I get excited when you're doing these things. You make the team better. But creating an environment these players feel truly comfortable in has its challenges. Darren Lewis. If you look at the coaching structure within English football, until not so long ago, you had to go quite high up the pyramid before some of these kids came into contact with black coaches. And so there were situations where coaches would not be able to appreciate the social circumstances around why a player might be behaving in a certain way. And and all too often, with with some coaches, there's a willingness to write off players when actually sitting down and understanding, talking, learning, identifying, empathising goes a hell of a long way. And I think working with some of the coaching setups down there, there has been a connection made between players and coaches that has enabled those players to go and really fulfil their potential. You know, there's so much talent down there. We may never hear about some of them. They'll never get the limelight, never get the fanfare, but they're there. And long after these players go on to make a career, to get the top, they're working on the next generation as well. In Andy Ansel's opinion, football has been slow to realise how important this is for young players. What you're talking about is a bridge, and I've I've had this argument for years, and for me, it's one of the biggest, most important roles within a football club is who's the bridge because you can take these kids from these environments a southeast london kid and you can take him to a, another environment but what's bridging him it can't just be playing football because with the environment isn't right and no one's there working with him helping him understand culturally what changes how is he going to deliver is that why you think zaha didn't succeed at united i think that wilfred went from being the star at crystal palace i remember i was working with i was with him in bangkok that first season they was in bangkok i was shooting with man united in bangkok i said to wilf how have you found it and i remember him saying it's a lot different Mm. he just come through five or six thousand people outside the hotel to Mm. walk in and he said this is a lot different but a lot of football clubs you sign from they expect you to just deliver not realizing football to be at your best you have to be at peace within yourself. Still to come on the South London Talent Factory, Joe Cole. We stupidly thought for 20 years that the Brazilians just played, or the Spanish just played, that they were just better than us technically. This is Talk Sports. Hi, my name is Azar Dukwa, and I'm a right winger. Because South London is such like a normally a tough area to grow up in, I think um, players just have that hunger and desire to like try to get out the um, the struggle, as I can see. That hunger and desire just pushes them forward to um, achieve their goals. So I feel like um, South London have that um, determination to succeed. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Oredine and I'm a centre midfielder. Pele, when you grew up, they did they took like. I can't remember what they called it, but all Jenga. the skills, Jenga, yeah, they called it They called it Jenga. All the skills that he did, they tried to take it out of his game and try to make him, like, normal. Traditional. Yeah, but he couldn't take it out of his game and that's why he was so great. I think that's what we are trying to do as players as well. So we're just trying to, like, show, like, because you see Jaden Sancho in the Bundesliga right now, he's doing all the tricks and flicks that is not, like, you don't see that, you rarely see that. So that's, I think, everyone's trying to, like, be like him ever since he took that pathway. 
Hello, my name is Ramon Grice and I'm a centre midfielder. When we do the safe option, we get told like that's boring, it's boring football. What's the point of doing the safe option? Every other team does. We may as well express mm. ourselves. We play formation that no one else plays because why not just express ourselves, do our own thing, to be different. There you heard from three of the Kinetic Academy's brightest prospects, unwilling to conform, unafraid to be different and unwavering in their belief that they will make it to the very top of the game. So what about the England national team? The likes of Sancho, Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi have already made the grade with Gareth Southgate's England. David Powderly thinks the South London swag might be rubbing off on the rest of the country. It's interesting that you speak about the influence and you look at players that have come from up up north as well. Are they talking like South Londoners now? I don't know about the accent. The storms, you know. The accent's still there. They've got the accent still. um, But the way they play, it's just having a knock-on effect. And the standard of football and the, the way, not just technically, but their mentality now of believing that we're, we're best we can we can take on a brazil we can play portugal france mm-hmm. you know and and still come out and show not just through passion or technically yeah we'll, we'll beat you technically yeah. skills nutmegs yeah select, you know, that's yeah. that's what we're creating now i can't uh, emphasize how important and creating the environment is you know you only have to look at uh, generations before golden generations mm. that when they go play for england like they're they're nervous, they they're rigid, it. they yeah. hated it, they didn't want to you know, sitting in different areas. Whereas now, you know, it's it's a, everyone is creating something special within these teams that they can go and enjoy themselves rather than thinking, Oh, we're away for ten days and it's like totally I I've got to act this way. No, be yourself. So like Gareth has has come from um an environment obviously come from like Palace mm. as a as a youth, but the way he played the game and then how he managed has, has changed, even from when he went into the under-21s. And obviously he's seen what it's like abroad. And from his lens, it's interesting because he's, he's wanting to play a different way to how he was um, coached. But, he, you know, he came and watched our under-16 game at St George's Park against Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he came into the dressing room and he didn't, have, he didn't say anything, but he just, you know, he was there. And yeah. that, that, that sometimes plays a bigger part, you know, just being there. So these players thinking, bloody hell, Gareth yeah. yeah. is in yeah. there and it has that knock-on effect. One of the most skillful players of his generation, Joe Cole. I think all these great players that are coming out of South London and coming out of it, London in general, I think you know, there's a there's an element of the playground footballer that's being that's getting into the academies early, but it's not losing that that vibe and that joy of playing like you're playing on the streets, like you're playing in the playground. But they're also getting good quality coaching and getting good quality leadership and being kept on the right track. But I think the the, the evolution of football has changed in such that these players, like your number tens, your wingers, your dribbling. There's systems in place where centre-halves will step in, they'll take a risk and they'll pass the ball through the lines. Holding midfielders will get on the ball, they get turned and they'll pass in it into good positions for then you to do your business. I think football 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago was right, we'll defend, we'll be resolute, we'll get it forward and then once you're there, get it and do something. But now it's tactically, we're much better, we're more aligned with the Latin ways. We we stupidly thought for 20 years that the Brazilians just played, or the Spanish just played, they were just better than us technically. They just played. No, they had systems and passing systems and ways of moving the ball. If I would have told someone I was a number 10 at the age of 16, 17, they would have laughed at me because it wasn't really. I told people I was centre mid. I didn't say I was attacking mid because 
you had to do everything in them positions, you know. So um, I think that's where the evolution of football's gone, and I think it's positive. I think we're we're uh, we're catching up, and we're catching up, and maybe you could argue we're going above these other countries we've admired for so long. Former Palace chairman Simon Jordan. I think that the talent pool that's coming out of South London has a certain feel and uniqueness about it, and it is, in my view, a, a lot of these players are offensive-minded players and flair players, but they've got more substance about them than maybe previous generations have gotten. I still, I think there's been a talent pool in South London for some time, but I think the way this talent pool is being harnessed and the way the game has changed to embrace offensive football is giving these players more opportunities than possibly they would have had before. The way the Premier League has changed, the introduction of people like Pep Guardiola and changing the direction of travel on football has afforded talent and flair and front foot players to be given more opportunities. But for Darren Lewis, the media have their bit to do as well. There were lots of people within the media who had no real understanding of what these young men were going through, what it, what their life experience was. Certainly, I, I've been around now for 20 years and when I started, sometimes I'd go to games, look at newspapers the following day and think I wasn't at the same game. The difference between then and now is that if you look into a press room, press box now, the demographic is much, it's different. There are people who can identify with the players. The people writing about footballers now, particularly black footballers, can understand their life experience, understand where they're coming through. There's much more empathy with the players now than there ever was. Hopefully I can inspire a few a few young players from South London or whatever to to chase their dreams or whatever so because I'm still chasing mine and uh, getting this honour to captain England on the 21s at this tournament is massive for me and my family and yeah hopefully they can do the same Finally if England win the World Cup soon whole, whole 11 the Cockney accents <laughs> Yeah we'll have to see about that one yeah. So South London definitely has the source always has and for Andy Ansar, who still coached the team from Lewisham in the London Youth Games, the possibilities are endless for this new generation of South London stars. South London itself has got huge, huge things going on. And you put all those things together, you're creating just a South London beast. When you put everything <laughs> together, it's just a beast. Mm. And, there's, and I look at these kids and they have multiple talents. You look at their social media platforms, it's almost like it's in their DNA. Yeah. So they've got, tr- they're making, they've got choices now. There's layers to them. They've yeah. got choices now. They're not just, I'm going to be a footballer, I'm using this to become a rapper. Mm. Or I'm going to, they're even designing their own yeah, clothes. Yes. They're designing their own clothes. It all comes with that flamboyance. You're looking at, back in the day, people would be like, whoa, you can't wear that. Now it's like, yeah, and yeah. I'm going to create a trend with it. Yes. And you, you put all those things together. Like South London is having a dominance on a global stage now. There's a thing with South London. Is, what am I fearing? There's no fear. I'm living it day in, day out. So wh- where's the fear? There's no fear. And if we can keep sort of transferring that no fear attitude onto a football pitch, man, we are going to keep producing gem after gem after gem. It's just a production line of footballers. It really is. You've been listening to the South London Talent Factory, a TalkSport exclusive production. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. 
The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.